Welcome to Coffee Break with Sharp Best Health. Every week, we sip on a strong new blend of practical tips, information, and education to help you optimize your health, body, and mind. Your hosts are Janice, Emily, Megan, and Olga. Your break starts now. And welcome to another episode of Coffee Break with Sharp Best Health. I'm Megan Sperling. And I'm Emily. So we are so excited to be coming to you again today with another episode. Uh, It's going to be a little bit different uh, than some of our past episodes in that we are going to be kind of recapping for you a project that Emily and I built together and offered to the organization last spring. Was it last spring? Yeah, last spring. Last spring. And... Uh, The project was called the Better Balance Project, and what we wanted to do was actually talk about the elements uh, that made up that project, uh, because they are all around the concepts of self-care, and these elements are all self-care practices, and we thought going into the holiday season and going into this very busy time of year where left is right, up is down, and black is white, (laughs) um, it seemed like the right time to just sort of ping everyone on some good options around what they can do to um, engage in some self-care practices. So, Emily, do you want to kind of take everyone through what those four elements are and why we chose them? Yeah, absolutely. So, like Megan said, we focused on four topics for this project, the first being mindfulness, then organization, sleep, and gratitude. And we chose these four topics because oftentimes they're overlooked and we don't put as much emphasis on engaging in these activities, but they really do play an important role in terms of both of our our mental and our physical health. Yeah, because when you think of organization, like mm-hmm. organizing your desk, organize, organizing your schedule, your work life, it, it is hard to think about that as a form of health and self-care, but... The research says it really is, It definitely right? is, and I'm excited to share why. Uh, fabulous. So the way that we're going to do this is I'm going to um, go into a couple of things. I'm going to talk about mindfulness, and then I'm going to hand it over to Emily, and she's going to talk about organization, then we're just going to go back and forth, uh, well, total of four times. So uh, you want to get started, Emily? Let's get started. Okay. Well, I will jump off with just a couple of comments about mindfulness. And now the first thing I just want to share is that this is just a brief overview. If you want to learn more about anything that we're talking about, we're going to give you some information um, on our show notes so that you can learn more about this information. But specifically for mindfulness, there is a lot of information on SharpNet where you can learn more about it. Now, I'll give you some information on that. But first, let's talk about what mindfulness is. It's something that has a lot of different definitions. And one of my favorite definitions is that mindfulness is a form of attention characterized by openness, acceptance, and an enhanced ability to respond to the present moment. And some of the reasons that mindfulness as a practice has become so uh, beneficial or or recognized as beneficial over the last uh, maybe two or three decades is uh, um, what it can do for you. And so what I mean by that is um, there's lots of really great research out there suggesting that it can help reduce stress and anxiety, uh, reduce chronic uh, physical pain. Um, It can help with your sleep, improve your concentration. Um, It can help with your sense of compassion and empathy. And when you think about your personal life and your work life, those are all elements that factor into how you conduct yourself, um, how good your day might go, how good you might feel, and even, you know, how how good your relationships are. Um, empathy, compassion, both here at work and if you work on the patient side, it can help with that. 
And when you go home too, um, it, it can really factor in. And so mindfulness is something that does not take long for people to practice. It's, it's really a, a something that you can do um, in a very short amount of time that can start to have very good impact. And there's research that says that even just practicing five minutes of mindfulness a few times a week, that can start to actually change the neuroplasticity in your brain. And that can actually help to increase your prefrontal cortex activity, which is where all the higher brain functioning um, occurs, and decrease the activity in your amygdala, which is where all of your sort of um, fight or, or fight or flight or, or sort of more reactive activity um, takes place. And so your brain can actually be changed by practicing mindfulness just five times or five minutes a day, a couple days a week. And so that's why we're really excited about mindfulness here at Sharp Healthcare. And if you are interested in this, um, the best thing I can recommend is to go onto SharpNet and just search mindfulness or search Will, W-H-I-L, which is a free digital mindfulness platform available to all Sharp Healthcare employees, and learn how you can get started. There are free classes throughout the organization, and um, there's free resources online. So that's my little spiel on <laughs> mindfulness. Um, Emily, do you think I missed anything, or do you think that was okay as a recap? No, that was a great recap. Oh, great. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, so do you? let's p- pivot to you. Do you want to talk a little bit about organization? Sure. First? So in some ways, it kind of sounds like mindfulness is a way to organize some of your thoughts, and it kind of helps you to work through your emotions. Nice segue. Nice segue. <laughs> so not only is organizing your thoughts beneficial, but also is organizing the space around you. One quote that I liked in particular is by, her name is Heidi Hanna, and she wrote a book about stress and how we can reduce it. And the quote says, the brain is constantly scanning the environment. It's looking for cues that signal a need for an energy investment, such as taking care of work or home obligations. When we have chaotic surroundings or a fragmented mindset, the brain can perceive this as a sign that there is more demand for energy than our current capacity, which triggers the stress response. So this kind of all comes down to when you walk home and you've had a stressful day, uh, maybe at work and you've sat in traffic and you come home and your kitchen's full of dirty dishes and you've got laundry piling up, that again just can add to your stress. And so one thing that you can practically do to help reduce this is simply making sure that the areas that you're surrounded by are as organized as possible so it's one less thing your brain has to focus on. So a couple tips for staying organized. One is start small. So if you attempt to clean all of your house and organize all of the areas in your house at one time, which a lot of us are guilty of, including myself, then it can be very overwhelming. And oftentimes that is our excuse for not doing it. Right. Um, And so by just starting small, finding small jobs around the house that you can do, whether that be cleaning up all the paperwork that's on your kitchen table or another thing you can do in the morning is make your bed. This kind of helps to set the precedent for the day. At least you have one thing done, your your bed is clean, and it kind of helps the snowball effect of organizing other parts of your house. Question, if your spouse is still in the bed, should you just go ahead and make it anyway? Absolutely. All right, good. (laughs) Just checking. (laughs) The second thing is to let things go. So it can be overwhelming if you're trying to organize areas where there's a lot of extra stuff. So just taking that time to really sort through, is this something that you need? Is it something that you use? And then having an action plan for if it's not, whether you donate it, 
or you throw it away, taking those couple extra minutes to sort through your items will really save you time in the future. Uh, and the last thing is identifying five-minute tasks. So these are, again, things that you can do quickly to clean your house. So maybe it's just organizing one drawer in your dresser. Your, maybe your goal is to have your whole closet organized. But again, that's a big job to do all at once. So just focusing on one drawer at a time and setting those jobs aside per day will help you stay organized without making it feel overwhelming. Perfect. Wow, that was that was great, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> I feel a little motivated, um, especially with the five minute uh, the five minute tasks. Yeah. that is a really good strategy. Um, so mine, uh, the the one the one I want to pivot to next is all around is or is all about sleep, hmm. and the idea of sleep as a health strategy and a self care strategy is I think both very obvious, but also very radical to a lot of people because a lot, I think we have a really kind of unhealthy relationship to sleep. People see sleep sometimes as an indulgence. Uh, Sometimes I think people see sleep as something that they can discard or just sort of backburn when really it is enormously critical to our emotional health, our mental health, our um, physical health, and is really sort of the cornerstone to helping our the rest of our lives go well. And so, you know, I, I wanted to first just acknowledge that some of the numbers, which is that 40 million, over 40 million Americans are getting less than six hours of sleep. Now, the old adage that you need to have eight hours of sleep every day, that's not really true. Um, some people need more, some people need less. It's just like um, Olga Hayes recently talked a little bit in one of the podcasts about, do you need eight glasses of water a day, really? And the answer was, mm, not, not exactly. It's sort of the same thing with sleep. But you do need, uh, most people need more than six hours, and, most, and a lot, many, many people aren't getting it. So a couple of things that, uh, a couple of ways in which sleep can impact you that I just want to touch on very quickly is that there is um, very, very um, defined data and good research around the relationship between uh, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, uh, diabetes, inflammation, and those things are all um, made worse by having a, a chronic lack of sleep. Also, your uh, mood actually surprises nobody <laughs> when you're not getting a lot of sleep, your um, uh, rate of being irritable increases, and your reactivity also decreases. Important, I think, for people who work in healthcare, it also can um, affect your ability to um, focus, to keep your attention, to solve problems, to avoid errors. And so, of course, for people that are doing the very, very good work that the people at Sharp Healthcare do, I think that really matters. Um, so a couple of the things that can be done very um, easily on your own, and, and I want to, of course, stress that um, this is a great thing to talk to your physician about, your primary care doctor. If you are, are continuing to have trouble with sleep, this is a conversation worth having. Um, things that, that you can do on your own, they kind of fall into four overall categories. Make sure that you are establishing a sleep routine. It's all about having a good habits around your sleep. So if you can, if it's at all possible, um, go to bed um, each night and get up around the same time each day, each morning. And um, that goes for the weekends as well. 
try to avoid alcohol in the evenings. Skip those nightcaps. That's not helping you. As much as this goes against every fiber of my being, try to limit caffeine. Um, I'm a big coffee drinker, but um, coffee, caffeine is certainly a big culprit. Another strategy is um, to look at your, and this kind of goes with what Emily was saying about your um your organization within your home, um, look at your um, sleep space. Look at your bedroom. Um, is it comfortable? Is it dark? Is the temperature low enough? Um, have you shut off your technology? This is deeply important. I know a lot of people go to bed with their smartphones in their hands. Try, 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 try to break that habit. Um, give an old-fashioned book a, a, a try um, within the 30 minutes or so before you go to bed and start to turn off lights um, also, as you're getting into bedtime, don't go to bed or don't have the house completely lit up um, right before you go to bed. Another one is before you go to bed, um, avoid large meals. Um, if you can, try to create some space between technology, meals, alcohol before you before you hit the hay. And the last thing around, the last tip I'd, I'd offer is um, try not to watch the clock. If you're laying in bed and you just cannot get to sleep, um, turn the clock around. Don't keep looking at those numbers. And if you're unable to go to sleep after 15 minutes or so, uh, leave your bed. I know that sounds crazy, but go to another space in the house if you can. Um, read a book, do something calming for a little while, and then try again. You'd be surprised at how effective research shows that can be to simply get away from that space and then revisit it and basically reset that going to sleep pattern. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's my sleep uh, my sleep pitch for, for the world who's listening. I have a question. Our producer, <laughs> Olga Hayes, was chiming in. I'm wondering in. if mindfulness can help with sleep as well. well that's a fabulous question, Olga. Um, it would be one of your first strategies there. It, 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 well, it, it could be one of the first strategies. In fact, um, Will, our partner, um, our partner Will, who has who provides our digital mindfulness platform. Um, they have an app, and on that app that all employees have access to for free, they have a whole section dedicated to sleep um, practices. So you could actually turn on Will, put on one of their sleep and or sleep sessions, and then um, mindful your way to sleep, if, you don't forget, if you'll forget that expression. Um, so, yes, thank you for bringing yeah, that up. Absolutely. Hey, Megan. Yes. What animal gets the best sleep? Um, don't tell me. I'm going to say a koala bear. No, dinosaurs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Emily, Emily, my house, everybody. <laughs> well, in a very awkward transition, we'll go from sleep to gratitude. <laughs> because we know Megan is gra grateful for all of my terrible jokes. I am grateful for the puns. Absolutely. All right, so, take it away, my house. Our last topic that we focused on was gratitude. And again, this is something that is powerful but often overlooked, and it's how our mindset um, affects both our physical and our emotional health. And in studies are starting to come out where it shows that your mindset, if you have a, a positive outlook on life, it can you know lower your blood pressure, improve your immune function, and facilitate better sleep. So nice. There we go. Um, so some easy ways to grow gratitude. So the first one is replace your thoughts. And so when you're stressed or you're upset, sometimes it can be hard to think about things that you're grateful for in that situation. Um, so say, for example, you you have a tough relationship or you're dealing with somebody who's difficult. Um, it, it can be hard to try to think of things that you're grateful for. Um, 
one tip to help with this is to just simply ask them how they are. And the thought process behind this is that by cultivating compassion um, and asking somebody how they are and where they are in their life, it will cultivate gratitude. And you can have then a greater appreciation for what's going on in their life. So even when you feel really stressed or upset, just taking a moment to stop, analyze the situation and think, okay, what is one positive thing in this situation? It really can affect your health. The second thing is invest in others. So I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but if you spend time talking with other people about what's going on in their life, oftentimes the problems or issues in your life kind of are put in perspective. You become other-centered rather than self-centered. Um, and this this is a great, again, a great thing that you can do to, to cultivate gratitude. Um, that may be writing a letter to somebody, telling them that you appreciate them, or inviting a coworker to lunch. Um, just taking that time to invest in others, um, it really does put things in perspective. And the other thing is to be careful about comparison. So Theodora yeah. Roosevelt, he said, comparison is the thief of joy. And these words are often true for a lot of us. Comparison, it does. It, it really can rob us of our joy. Um, and so you can use, you can intentionally use comparison as a tool to help reframe your perspective by appreciating how fortunate you are. Yeah. And then in turn, helping those who are less fortunate. And the last, the last two things are keep a gratitude journal. This is something that a lot of people do that helps. A couple tips for this is to focus on who you're grateful for, uh, not just the things you're grateful for. Um, so, you want to be as specific as you can, and you don't have to write everything. Everything that you write done doesn't have to be deep. It can just be the little things, like I had a really great lunch today, or a, a coworker brought me coffee. And the last thing is smile and be kind. And even when you don't feel like smiling, just do it anyway, because just the physical act of smiling a lot of times will make you feel better. That's amazing. Can I offer one that I have practiced myself that yeah. I really love that's, um, I think fits in perfectly with your list, even though it's not on it at this moment. So when I, um, well, a, 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 an old, old colleague who I don't work with anymore uh, taught me that she used to say to her spouse uh, at just random times when they were doing something, it doesn't get any better than this. Hmm. And what what their practice was was to sort of have that comment and that thought sort of on their uh, very top of mind for them and so they were looking for times and moments where they could say that and they the more they were looking for it the more times they found it and so that's something that we do in in, in my home we if we're just sitting around you know not, if, even if it's not nothing special if we're just throwing the ball in our backyard for our dog or having a glass of wine or just whatever we try to just remind ourselves to say it doesn't get any better than this now yeah. if we were comparing ourselves to other people <laughs> we probably wouldn't say that but that yeah. just helps you just appreciate what how much you have and how lucky we all are to be doing the things that we do every single day absolutely so being intentional about looking out for the positive things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, That's great. Well, Emily, I think we covered everything pretty <laughs> well. So if anyone out there would like to learn more about the Better Balance Project and the toolkits that we created, um, all you have to do is uh, go on to SharpNet and search Better Balance, and you will find the Better Balance toolkits that uh, Sharp Best Health created. 
So anything, any last words, Emily? Do you think we're good? I think we've covered it all. All right. All right, Emily, thank you so much for uh, being my partner in crime today. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, Megan. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Download this episode and find more great information on health and wellness by visiting Sharp Best Health on SharpNet.com.